When you think about business competition, where are you focused? Your town, your state, across the country? You need to be concerned with competitors around the world. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. Today, you'll hear about the mega trends in global business and how they affect your organization, as well as explore issues, solutions, and some amazing facts about business worldwide. Now, here is your host, Mahesh Joshi. Welcome to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We have an amazing subject today. It's the impact of languages on the society. It has major impact beyond the economy. The society gets impacted in many different ways. I have uh, two guests today discussing with us, Daniel Bogey-Odal and uh, Kristen uh, Shranishaf. For example, United Kingdom loses upwards of 80 billion British pounds per year to a disproportionately monolingual workforce, whereas Switzerland attributes 11% of its GDP to its culture of multilingualism and the policies which sustain it. Today, some 7,000 languages are spoken and signed around the world. But acute challenges facing linguistic communities from forced assimilation to political exclusion could make 3,000 of these languages fall silent by end of the century. Such a loss would have a tragic toll upon our collective spiritual, cultural, and ecological knowledge. In response to this, Wikitongues is building a language revitalization accelerator which gives marginalized people resources to launch mother tongue projects in their communities. Wikitongues is a non-profit organization working to safeguard and revitalize endangered languages around the world. It has been awarded the 2021 JMK Innovation Prize. Our guest, Daniel, is the co-founder and executive director of Wikitongues, which supports language documentation and revitalization on a global scale. He has been involved in online projects since 2009, when he helped launch the Catalan language edition of the nonprofit news organization, Global Voices. He has a BFA in design and technology and a master's degree in historical studies from the New School University in New York City. Our other guest, Kristen, is the program's director Advocatungs, supporting language diversity around the world. Kristen holds a BFA from the University of Alabama and an MA from Helsinki University. With a background in law and disability rights, her interests line language activism and sign linguistics. She speaks English, Swahili, Finnish, and French. Hi, Daniel. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Mahesh. Hi, Mahesh. Hey, uh, so nice to be with you today. I was uh, reading about what all you do. Uh, very fascinating. And I don't know um, uh, how to propagate it to more people uh, because when I was reading about what you do and what is the real impact of it, I was amazed. It, it's very meaningful to the society, and uh, I hope, and I'm very sure, actually, my listeners would definitely enjoy it, that how languages play a critical role in a society. And, and the most exciting part for me as a businessman and running a business show was also how it impacts the global business environment. Like you're giving some examples and your findings about how it impacts uh, the gross domestic product of some of the countries. So can we start, uh, if you're okay with that, that what is the total impact of these languages? And you have talked about thousands of languages, and if you don't preserve, how they're going to die, and how, because of that, we will lose some of the precious knowledge, which gets communicated or was getting communicated in those languages and that propagation will stop. So Daniel, would you like to start? Sure. 
Well, I think the statistic that you found when you were talking about uh, language diversity and GDP is the fact that Switzerland attributes about 11% of its GDP to policies that support its multilingual culture. And by contrast, the United Kingdom loses upwards of 80 billion pounds a year to a more uh, monolingual workforce. So why is that? Why does language diversity and its sustainability contribute to stronger economic growth? If we go over to Australia, uh, we'll find a situation that's not unlike the United States and Canada in which indigenous people throughout the 19th and 20th centuries were systematically stripped of their cultures through cultural genocidal uh, programs such as the uh, you know, so-called Indian residential school system here in the US and Canada, and it's uh, equivalent in Australia where indigenous children were forced into boarding schools, given English names and punished violently for speaking their languages. And so within a generation, these languages were no longer being taught to children. And so in Canada, in the US and Australia, the vast majority of indigenous languages are all endangered. In Arnhem Land, which is the uh, one of the only indigenous majority regions of Australia uh, for a very long time, schools had struggled with both attendance and graduation rates. And so these numbers were hovering below 50% until they introduced something called the two ways curriculum or the both ways method. I forget exactly what it was called, but the general premise was to integrate language revitalization and cultural knowledge into the standard, you know, math, science, history curriculum. And so indigenous children were learning their ancestral languages for the first time in a formalized way and also learning about the histories of their cultures. For the first time, attendance rates shot above 50% and in some cases skyrocketed to 80 or 90%. And some schools actually had their first, um, you know, 100% graduation rate. So incorporating language revitalization accelerated education in this area um, like no other educational program had done before. And I think there are two reasons for that. One, languages become endangered because people are forced to abandon their mother tongues from, by economic exclusion, political oppression, and violence. And so there's a kind of lasting psychological damage done to a people when their language is taken from them. And restoring that language can be a way of restoring pride. Uh, more than that, though, multilingualism has been demonstrated to be good for the brain. So when you know more than one language, um, you know, you, you think better, you learn better. Uh, and if you know more than one language and one of those languages is the language of your ancestors, well, then not only are you thinking better and learning better, but you're more proud of yourself. You know where you come from. You, you have that kind of touchstone that so many other people take for granted. And that's just going to lead to better educational outcomes. So if you have a more educated population, a more educated population that knows where they come from, you are inherently going to have a more economically productive and prosperous society. Um, and then there's kind of a more ethereal question, which is that language encodes knowledge, right? And Kristen, I don't know if you want to elaborate on this a little bit, but you know, only a couple hundred concepts have a word in every language, which means that the vast majority of languages are built up of unique vocabulary. And that unique vocabulary encodes really, really specific knowledge about the environment, about history, and about other things. That's a very good point. That's lovely. Kristen? Yeah, I would, there's a lot of things that came up that were interesting that I just kind of like to add a bit to. Um, really, the, the tie in all of this is that Linguistic diversity is not only important for cultural knowledge or passing down heritage, but it it ties into multiple different aspects of our daily life. Um, not only is it enshrined in our international human rights, um, when we talk about the Universal um, Declaration of Human Rights, 
it mentions uh, that we have the right to choose any language as our medium of expression. Um, the UDHR is committed to maintaining that linguistic diversity too by translating the UDHR into, I think, upwards of 350 or 400 languages at the, at the moment. Um, Daniel mentioned stronger education when we have linguistic diversity. Uh, schools around the world that provide mother tongue education not only report that students enjoy school more, they also show an increased self-esteem and stay in school longer. And there's also an effect at home too with the parents. Um, oftentimes, if a child is able to learn via their mother tongue, then this means that the parents can be more involved with the uh, child's education at home. They can help with homework. They can participate in more school activities. So it has this domino effect um, wherein the eagerness to aid with homework and after school activities can cause a child's grades to improve and strengthens that bond between a parent and child. Mental, uh, sorry, is this, gonna, sorry, is this gonna be edited? I lost my train of thought there. I'm sorry. Um, no, you can keep going. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say was about, um, Daniel mentioned biodiversity and this accumulation of knowledge. Um, one of the things that was interesting, I think maybe about five or 10 years ago, Daniel, you might remember the actual date, um, but the Bronx Botanical Garden teamed up with linguistic communities in Vanuatu, um, which is a Pacific Island nation that is facing the brunt of climate change. And, and they teamed up with linguistic communities in Vanuatu to document botanical knowledge, um, which was under threat and pressure from rising sea levels. And so they wanted to document this before these plants potentially disappeared forever and documenting this knowledge could be vital for medicinal developments in the future. Um, some similar work has been done in New Zealand uh, with uh, agriculturists and scientists studying Maori say, sayings that helped reveal important information about plant growth and soils and nutrients and things like that. And there's actually in a vice versa scenario, um, there's been a lot of research that has shown that language loss actually has a negative impact on biodiversity itself. Um, so not only does langu language diversity help us with maybe uh, scientific discoveries, medicinal developments, those kinds of things. But a study published, I think about four or five years ago by Economic Botany showed that a loss of native Yanesha speakers in the Peruvian Amazon actually directly impacted the diversity of crops and lowered the diversity available in uh, following growth cycles. That's amazing. I think uh, both Daniel Yu and Kristen Yu bought in a lot of amazing points. What we're going to do is uh, we will take a short break here and we will continue our discussions in our second segment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests and new happenings at the voice America talk radio network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. 
This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You are listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. I have with me Kristen and Daniel. And we are talking about a very fascinating subject, languages. You know, what what do you gain by being multilingual? And um, what, what happens when you are uh, monolingual? And uh, it's all about the society. It's about community. It's about individuals, what benefits it gets. And in, in our first segment, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Kristen. You elaborated so well that what are the various impacts of... Uh, preserving the languages and uh, people being multilingual, uh, not only on the economic side of it, overall for your mental well-being, physical well-being, even the botanical impacts or rather the impacts uh, uh, of what knowledge you had about, uh, the way I got it, about botany. <laughs> and if you had the languages, con- same language continue and not ended like um, in, in your website, you say how many languages have come to end and some of that precious knowledge would just stop there. So, so that was an amazing part for me. And Kristen, when we ended the last session, you were talking about what are the benefits of being multilingual. Suppose somebody is a, a monolingual. You can still do your day-to-day work very nicely and you are uh, well accepted in a society which is monolingual, but there may be something you would be missing out. There may be something uh, which you can gain more by knowing more languages. Uh, what are your thoughts about that, Preston? Yeah, so there are a lot of benefits um, to learning other languages. Uh, linguistic diversity directly impacts our brain, and it's over. For all, it's good for our brain's health. Um, so the process of language learning. Uh, actually increases your brain's gray and white matter, which are both indicative of a healthier brain. And so learning a new language and by increasing this gray and white matter can actually help delay the onset of dementia. And it can also raise our ability to concentrate and process information. And what's really cool is that since the same neural machinery can be used both for linguistic and non-linguistic tasks, by learning other languages, you can even affect performance in contexts that don't involve language at all, say your memory, concentration, auditory processing. And this doesn't mean you have to get fluent in another language, um, just the process of learning another language, you know, doing a language app for 10 minutes a day or something and learning how to ask for coffee or a taxi can help boost your brain's gray and white matter. But really, even without being multilingual, you could be benefiting from just being in the vicinity of multiple languages. So this really interesting study um, conducted, I think it was at UC Irvine, found that monolinguals living within a linguistically diverse environment were able to distinguish between, between vowel harmony in Finnish and phonetic violations of those rules. So that's this confusing thing, but in Finnish, you basically, you have to have something called vowel harmony. So Mm -hmm. certain vowels have to be in certain words with each other. And if you put an I with an E, it just doesn't work. Right. Um, And if you're a Finnish speaker, you can pick up on the difference on that instantly that a rule was broken. And so monolinguals who were living in this mono English monolinguals who were living with a within a linguistically diverse environment were able to distinguish the vowel harmony and Finnish and when the rules were being broken without previous previously knowing or even hearing Finnish and so this phenomenon is known as ambient linguistic diversity and these researchers were able to show through using measured brain activity with an EEG that this ambient linguistic diversity has the impact of increasing monolingual brain activity similar to what we see in bilinguals and multilinguals, even if you don't speak or understand the second language. And so that's super cool. <laughs> and so next time that, you know, if you're at a bus stop or in the mall and you hear someone speaking a language you don't know, you can be thankful because you're getting a little extra brain boost from them. I, I tend to agree 100% with you. 
because uh, I have experienced what you just said firsthand. Because in, in, in my corporate life, I travel a lot and I would go to places which are different languages, like I'll name a few, Italy, Russia, France, Germany, China, different languages or uh, Mexico and Brazil. I'm picking up some of them, not all of them. What I realize, wherever I learn a few words to talk or communicate, my excitement level of saying it and somebody understanding it gave literally an amazing feeling <laughs> that I could converse. And, and it made me think more and try to link things. And uh, I found it very amazing. And one time, I'm just sharing my personal experience, um, I had to inaugurate one of my plants in Saudi Arabia. And I decided I will give the inauguration speech in Arabic. Although I'm not expert in Arabic, I'd not speak in even a single word except shukran. <laughs> so I took guidance from somebody who taught me in talking about that language. And when I connected with them, after tremendous hours of practice on it, I saw the acceptance of much more in the society for me to whom I was talking. And then later on when I went, the, the physical reaction of people were not even in that inauguration, but uh, they knew about it. They talked to me very differently. They're very open in sharing new ideas about their culture. So I personally feel that I could break that barrier by doing that. Uh, you, you are more researched. I actually know more about that subject but I couldn't control myself and share my experience with it, that how they opened the floodgates of learning about their culture for me, just by using those few words. Is that also one of the derived benefits? Completely. I mean, this, this makes me think of the Nelson Mandela quote. Um, if you talk to a man in a language, he understands that goes to his head. And if you talk to him in his own language, that goes to his heart. Ah, okay. I think it was a nice Nelson Mandela quote. It might not be, but <laughs> maybe no it's, it's uh, Yeah. Sorry, Daniel, go ahead. It's, a, it's a Mandela quote, <laughs> as far as I know. It's at least attributed to him. Yeah. But that, that's, yeah. Ama that's amazing. Yeah, please go ahead, Daniel. Well, you know, I was going to add, um, you know, we're, we're talking about the cognitive benefits of linguistic diversity, but that could still lead somebody to ask, okay, so shouldn't we just be all multilingual in global languages like English and Spanish and Mandarin and French? Um, if you think about kind of like global human cognitive ability, the more languages we collectively know, the more maps of the mind that we have. Um, and in the same way that you, Mahesh, got uh, an incredible insight into Arabic-speaking cultures just by exposing yourself to the Arabic language, uh, you know, we all get incredible insight into our own cultures and our own selves by exposing ourselves to the languages of our ancestors. So the majority of the world's population uh, speaks about 100 languages, which means that the vast majority of us speak languages that are different languages from our grandparents or sometimes our parents, right? And so what happens when language extinction sets in or language loss sets in is you effectively have a kind of generational rupture in a community, right? Like it means all of a sudden elders can no longer communicate with their descendants in their own language. And conversely, the descendants are no longer able to truly learn from their elders. And that's a terrible, terrible thing. It's an almost inhuman experience, right? Um, and so even if you don't, even if your ancestors didn't speak a, a language that's now endangered, if you are, you know, an English speaker or a Spanish speaker or, 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 you know, a Mandarin speaker, chances are your grandparents spoke a different language than you. Um, and so language revitalization also belongs to you too, right? So like if you're a German American, consider learning German. Um, 
because we get so much insight into where we come from, even if we just expose ourselves uh, to the languages that our ancestors spoke. Mm -hmm. I think the concept of generational rupture you talked about, that's uh, very profound because that is one uh, uh, hurdle which can be eliminated through language, which is unnecessary, and the propagation of knowledge on generation, in generations, because of that rupture, can be avoided. And the, the, the collective wisdom coming from history and past and experimentation, if that is confined to, to, to the boundaries of language, then it just stalls there. You know, it, it can be in a generation, it can be in a society, it can be in a city, it could be in a country also, if that happens. And that, that could be a, a major issue. And one time I was, uh, I will just share another anecdote with you. I was reading about it, that uh, before the modern medicine, how people used to treat themselves, the wounds, the, the inhaling of medicinal values or uh, eating something to cure, that knowledge was so tribal in terms that an elder in a family, a man or a woman or somebody would know, and those were passed with experience by doing it or verbally. They were not getting documented. So imagine if we started with, you know, those several thousand languages which uh, you mentioned uh, in, in, on your website and how many lost, how many such... Uh, looking trivial, but very important pieces would have been lost in translation because the languages propagating it were certain and there was a generational rupture either in their own family or in the society. I think if a study gets conducted on how much of knowledge is lost, I guess it would be a tremendous amount. You know, there. Uh, if you can give me one minute, uh, there was actually a study um, specifically yeah. about medicinal knowledge that came out recently, and it had some quantification. I just need to pull it up. No problem. What we will do is uh, we'll take a short break now, and uh, we'll continue our discussion after the break. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. Are you ready to hear from investors and get insight on different asset classes? Join host Troy Eckert for the program, Talk with the Texan, Money and Life. Troy works with high net worth investors and is ready to bring you the secrets he's learned in his 35 years of alternative investment experience along with his guest experts. If you want value, you'll need to listen in live every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. You're listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We had very interesting segment two with Kristen and Daniel talking about how important the linguistics is. And for me personally, a lot of learning. So thank you, Daniel and Kristen, for enlightening, enlightening us 
and in in first two segments let let's go back Daniel to you uh, we were talking about some data yes so you were talking specifically mahesh about uh the extent to which uh you know uh, ecological medicinal culinary knowledge uh is lost when language loss forces a kind of generational rupture where where you know the youngest generation is no longer able to learn from their elders. And uh, there was actually a study recently by Dr. Rodrigo Camaralaret from the University of Zurich. So his team looked at 12,000 medicinal plant services associated with 230 indigenous languages in three regions with high levels of linguistic and biological diversity. So three uh, regions with bio, with great biocultural diversity. And this was North America, Northwest Amazonia, and uh, New Guinea. And they found that um, between 73 and 91% of the medicinal plant services were encoded in the lexicons of only a handful of the 230 languages that they looked at, right? So if these languages were to go extinct, which is to say if these communities would collapse because they were unable to pass their language on to the next generation. Uh, and moreover, if these languages collapsed without any form of documentation, uh, this medicinal knowledge would be lost to history. It would be lost to all humanity. Uh, and that's uh, a terrible thing. That would be a terrible thing. Hopefully it doesn't come to be. And that's what uh, I think that that would be a very terrible loss to uh, our race. Because how many years of literally experimentation before we had all these IT things and artificial intelligence and all, people are learning with experience. And hundreds of thousands of years of knowledge base created and, and captured in mind and shared exper experientially or communicated verbally will be a loss. Uh, I think it'd be colossal. Uh, that, that's a great point, Daniel. Um, let's, let's see if you can um, share how your organization, which has started the Wikitanks, how you are addressing these issues and what does Wikitank do? Sure. Well, Wikitongues is trying to bridge institutional gaps in support for linguistic diversity. Uh, today, only, uh, you know, between one and five percent of all the world's languages are recognized by their own governments or supported by mainstream technology, which means that for the vast majority of people, even if they want to keep their languages alive, there is very little external support for them to do so. So we have a three-pronged approach. We help safeguard linguistic diversity in the form of video documentation and dictionaries. We expand access to mother tongue resources. And more recently, and in my opinion, most excitingly, uh, we directly support language revitalization projects. So um, as of this year, we teamed up with five emergent ling language revitalization projects on three continents. And um, to rewind a bit, when we say language revitalization, we're talking about the social process of reintroducing a language back into daily life. Uh, the social process of um, helping an endangered language become thriving again, or actually reviving a dormant or extinct language as a natively spoken language once again. Um, and as of 2022, uh, we're going to be supporting between 15 and 35 new revitalization projects per year. So anyone from around the world who wants to keep their language alive can apply to us for funding uh, and direct strategic support and training as they do this community organizing work. That's, that's amazing. I think... Uh, uh, that's a great, great project or, or initiative to be working on. Now, I realize it that you recently got an award also for all the work you do. And this is uh, JMK 
uh, innovation prize. And what is it and how is it going to help you uh, uh, in Wikitanks? Well, in short, uh, it's going to help us support between 15 and 35 uh, new revitalization projects per year uh, to 75 new language revitalization projects by 2025. Oh, wow. That's a great number. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, this has been one of our, our dreams at Wikitongues to be able to expand and do this for the past few years now. And so it's, it's very exciting that it's coming um, to fruition now. And it's teaming up nicely um, with the International Decade of Indigenous Languages, which begins next month in January 2022. And that's um, the year we'll officially be launching this in the public. So it's, it's worked out really nicely. Uh-huh. Well, you know, this is, uh, if you ask somebody, first of all, I, I really appreciate you um, picking up this initiative, driving an organization and doing it, and picking up a very nice name, Wikitunks. You know, uh, not a lot of people, which I've come across in various parts of the world during my global travels of more than 30 years, have this discussion about the impact of languages come in. And I've not heard of anybody who's taken these kind of concrete measures to address this issue. How did this idea germinate in your mind? Well, um, that's a very good question. Uh, I was raised fairly monolingually. Um, my mom wanted me to learn Spanish and French, but was unable to teach me. Um, however, I was from a very young age exposed to a family language, uh, Yiddish, which uh -huh. was once the predominant language, mother tongue of Ashkenazi Jewish people um, until the Holocaust and mm -hmm. other um, upheavals in the 19th and 20th centuries drove it into decline. Right. Um, Yiddish is not technically an endangered language because Haredi communities, especially in the United States, still teach it to children at scale, um, but it's only a mother tongue of a fraction of the wider Ashkenazi population. Most of us today either speak English um, or Spanish or uh, Hebrew. Mm. Um, interestingly, Hebrew is the first language to ever be successfully revitalized. Um, it initially went dormant as a mother tongue in the second century, uh, but in the 1800s, at a time of rising anti-Semitism, certain Jewish communities looked to it as a means of cultural survival. And so they leveraged their liturgical and literary knowledge of Hebrew to reintroduce it as a spoken language. They taught their children and raised a new generation of native Hebrew speakers, the first native speaking generation in, in nearly 100 generations. Uh, today, it's the mother tongue of 5 million Jewish people. And uh, what the story of Hebrew's revitalization teaches us is that language extinction is not inevitable, that language revitalization is possible. With the right resources, adults can learn their ancestral languages, teach their children, and raise new native speakers, breathing fresh life into their culture. Um, the thing that makes language revitalization really, really complex is that it's a generational process and it's an interdisciplinary process. So if you're sitting there, you know, staring down the barrel of losing your language and you think, I want to save my language, it's very hard to conceive of how to get started. And so you need to kind of take a project management approach where each year, um, you know, you have a different goal toward growing your language, toward keeping your language alive. And, and over time, uh, you can be confident that your language will be measurably reawakened. Um, but what's interesting is I didn't actually start thinking about my personal relationship to all of this until much later. It was actually around the age of 18. I was living in Spain uh, where I learned to speak Spanish finally as my mom wanted me to, um, mm -hmm. but also Catalan which is a language that never went extinct, but was driven into decline by the Francoist dictatorship in Spain, which banned the use of regional and minority languages. So when Spain became a, a democracy in 1980, um, Catalonia, the Basque country, Galicia, a lot of the regions that had regional and minority languages launched their own revitalization projects. And today these languages, you know, 
can't be taken for granted, like their speakers still kind of have to fight for them, but younger generations are arguably more fluent and literate than their parents were, and these languages are all growing rather than shrinking. So these are all successfully revitalized or successfully reawakened languages. And learning to speak one, living in that cultural context of a successfully revitalized language, I think opened my eyes to just how intimately um, language, sovereignty, culture are all interrelated and, um, and how language revitalization is possible. And so I started Wikitongues precisely because um, I wanted to get involved with that and perhaps more importantly, make it easier for people around the world to get involved with that since there are a lot of languages um, in need of this kind of support. Well, that's, that, that's great because, you know, a lot of people <clears throat> see this happening, they read about it, they hear about it, but they don't take the next step which you have taken. You know, that's, that's a good leadership position to be thinking about how to do that. So um, it, it's it's amazing story which you told. And um, I think, as also Christian's earlier telling, I'm kind of convinced that having these languages, uh, they definitely open up your mind. That's my personal experience, that you're more open to various societies, you're more open to new ideas, because you come to know that there's no only one language of communication. People do survive, enjoy life, have fun. They do great things in life using some other language. So there's more than what you know. So that's one way of opening your mind. And uh, uh, amazing, it develops concentration, focus, memory, and all this kind of stuff. What we're going to do is uh, we will take a short break and we will continue our discussion in our fourth segment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. For the past two years, Global Business with Mahesh Joshi has been a top-rated program on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, with its popularity growing, he has converted many of the concepts discussed on the show into an easy-to-read book from Oxford University Press, one of the top publishers in the world. Place your order for the book, Global Business, at mkjgb.com. Act now, and as a special offer, you'll receive a signed copy of the book by the author, Mahesh Joshi. Order today at mkjgb.com. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. This is Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. To reach the program, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's worldwide access to 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to maheshjoshi.82 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Uh, you're listening to a discussion with Daniel and Kristen on a very fascinating uh, role of languages, why we must know more languages and what is a social, personal, societal and an impact on the human race because of that. Uh, we were talking about what uh, Wikitongues does. It's a great initiative. I love it, what you're doing. Can you elaborate? Suppose I want to get involved and contribute to, to the cause which you have picked up or anybody, any of our listeners how people can get involved. 
Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Mahesh, we'd love for you to get even more involved if you would like. Uh, I <laughs> yeah, would. If any, of, if any of the listeners uh, want to get involved. So one thing that you can do is submit a video to Wikitongues. Um, we document languages and we also have a language archive um, where we host videos on our website and in um, different museums and uh areas around the around the world. Um, so if you would like to submit your language or the language of someone around you, maybe a grandparent or a neighbor that speaks a language that you think um, should be in a language uh, documentation archive, we'd love for you to submit that. Um, if you have a smartphone, a computer, any a camera, anything with a recording device, um, you could pick it up, take a selfie, take someone else um, and then send us in your video. Um, and if you need tips or advice on how to do that, then you can go to our website or send us an email. And we're always happy to guide you on that. Um, other ways to get involved. If you're interested in volunteering your time, we will have some volunteer positionings opening up in the spring for the this language um, revitalization cohort that we, we talked about earlier. Um, if you know anyone who might be interested in applying for the cohort and getting funding for their language revitalization project, we have our applications open uh, for about six more weeks. So we'd love to get some more applications for that. Um, you could also, you know, explore what your heritage languages are or share the languages you speak with people around you, tell people about them, um, work on learning your heritage language. My, my mom and I started diving into Welsh last year when she mm -hmm. told me that her grandmother was Welsh and I did not know that before. And so during COVID quarantine and the isolation times, we started doing Welsh together. And that was a, a really fun connecting moment for my mom and I. Um, we also have other opportunities for captioning languages and supporting in that way. And then, of course, if, you know, you're a company and would like to give an in-kind donation, our um, language activist and our team, we always can use, you know, cameras or recording devices or things like that, um, that can be an in-kind donation. That's amazing. I think I'm going to contribute here because I do my annual track normally in Himalayas. And uh, I don't go to the, the, the snowy areas. And I found in certain areas where I go, people are very knowledgeable about using, uh, you know, the local flora and fauna to treat. And they speak in the local dialect and language. And, and I have learned it now because I had a, a, a fall one time and the way they treated me and all that, I was amazed. There was no medicine store there. <laughs> on those mountains and, and in a forest and just a river flowing by and how they understand the value of certain leaves and what they did, how to stabilize something. So I'm, I'm going to try hard and, and, and become a part and at least contribute about those things. Because more I listen to you, I could relate this accident which I told you. It was an incident which happened to me myself when I was tracking that. Not a major injury, but the way they took it, the way they treated it. I've never seen it documented anywhere. And it was being discussed in the local dialect amongst each other. They were telling, somebody was telling somebody else what kind of leaves to get. And uh, mm. I couldn't understand anything about it. So I, I really admire that you're doing it. Um, now, <clears throat> Definitely, this will be very important for uh, more people to get involved. Uh, we have only a few minutes left, Daniel and uh, Kristen, to be very frank. I'm enjoying this discussion so much and uh, learning by listening to you that I wish we didn't have the time constraint. But just uh, to, to close, we have four or five minutes. If you have any closing comments, I'll really appreciate it. Kristen, you want to start, then Daniel, and then I'll go. So, uh, from from Kristen, from, do you want to go? Yes, please go ahead. I think you're muted, Kristen. Okay, I suggest for for closing, uh, what I have, and and fascinating discussion. What I see, the biggest impact of being multilingual and being open to it is not only to the society that the value system gets communicated and the value system gets enriched by the next generation which is learning and not losing because of uh, that generational rupture, Daniel, what you said, 
because of the language barrier. And, and that's an amazing point that it, it contributes to society. Otherwise, also, it, it kind of keeps you spiritually also aligned because some of the value system uh, gets you to learn in that language how people had found out how to keep yourself calm, how to connect a few things which helps you in stressful situation, normal situation, and exciting situation. And also, it gives you creativity. And uh, as uh, Tristan, you had mentioned, that's amazing that it helps uh, uh, enhance your memory. It allows you to focus nicely. You can concentrate. It's a good development for any human being. It could be incremental to what you already know. And this is not putting a barrier against something which is new and you can learn from the rest of the society. So basically, what I see is you gain what is available from the whole world. But at the same time, you are the beneficiary of carrying the vast knowledge accumulated over the centuries, which can be communicated only in that language, right? That's what I feel. Daniel, any closing comments from you, please? Yes, I would say all of that. And uh, it gives the next generation an opportunity to build on what their ancestors have left them, right? Because it's not just about preserving the knowledge of your culture or your peoplehood as it was two generations ago whenever your language became endangered, but rather to carry that knowledge forward and expand on that knowledge. Because every culture, every language is really a framework for exploring the world. And everyone deserves access to the framework that their ancestors left for them. And uh, if we all have access to those frameworks, I think uh, we can live up to the full range of human potential. That's wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Preston. It has been an amazing discussion and I really appreciate the insights you have given on such a rare subject, which uh, should be given more prominence in, I would say, the social discussions and discussions on maybe, you know, as a think tank, because this is very provoking subject and very useful for our race and for humanity. So thank you for your time. I had a great thank discussion. You, you have a wonderful us. day. been listening to Global Business with Mahesh Joshi. We hope you'll tune in for another edition of the program next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a good week.